Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name is Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Coming up in this episode, Guy Bisson, Research Director at UK-based Ampere Analysis, offers a stark assessment of the impact the COVID-19 crisis will have on media and entertainment over the next few years. Gary R. Benz, Chief Executive of GRB Studios, details how the LA-based unscripted producer-distributor is gearing up to return to production and the uptick it's seeing in distribution renewals. But first, Caroline Torrance, Head of Scripted at Banerjee Writes, talks to Drama Quarterly editor Michael Picard about how the French distributor's current slate has managed to withstand the pandemic with series from less affected territories, including Scandinavia and New Zealand. We were, I think, in a really, really fortunate position in that we had four big new shows and two returnable shows that were coming out of Scandinavia or that were pretty much finished by the time we all went into lockdown. So we had a situation where we had our February um, sort of London screenings event where we launched these new shows. Some of them weren't quite finished, but they were pretty much finished. And so we've been able to use this opportunity to to just market the shows and carry on. The salespeople have been discussing them with buyers in the in the usual way. So so those those shows were GR5, the big show coming out of Belgium. We got this, the Jarofsky show, the Swedish show, Thin Ice, uh, Yellowbird in Sweden and Backstrom, the other Swedish, the police procedural. So, and then in terms of returnable, we had Bang, the dual language Welsh English show, which was in post-production, and Rebecca Martinson, another Swedish show, which was returning. So all of those were completely unaffected by the lockdown. And for once, we were in a situation where we seemed to have a lot of shows delivering in, in the spring. Often our shows deliver in the autumn and we do our big marketing at MIPCOM. These were all delivering in the spring. So we were in, we're in, a, were in and are still in a really strong position. Does that mean then that I guess the next phase of shows that you have coming down the line have been affected in terms of development or delayed in production? We have some Swedish shows. You know, bizarre, Sweden was pretty much unaffected. Well, they have been affected, obviously, because they've had to put in place some very kind of strict shooting guidelines and everything, but they have carried on filming. The only one of our shows, Swedish show, the second series of Truth Will Out, they were filming it in Lithuania rather than in Sweden, and so that was delayed. But they're thinking they're going to get back up into production fairly soon. We've got Black Lake 3 coming up at the end of the year and that's in production and filming and all fine. We've got The Gulf, which is a New Zealand show, which has been delayed a little bit. But again, New Zealand is one of those countries where where they're going to be up and running quite quickly. And so they're already looking at how they're going to how, how they're going to film with the new restrictions. And they're thinking they'll get into production in probably in August. And then Hierro, um, our Spanish show, that was in production and has been delayed because they had to shut down. But again, they're thinking that fairly soon they'll be able to get back up and running on that. So while there have been some delays, I think we've been extremely lucky at Banerjee that none of them have been massive. Um, In terms of our other companies, you know, a lot of them are using this period for doing lots of development. And the minute that they work out a way of getting back into production, they're kind of ready to go with scripts and, and everything. So 
And, and, and I guess, you know, you've probably missed a lot of face-to-face meetings, at, you know, MIP and, and Series Mania and other events in the last couple of months. So how have you continued those relationships and kind of what are they telling you in terms of, are they now looking for finished content or are they still forging on with productions in development that they might have already? Yeah, I mean, as I said, you know, we were very lucky that we, we set that ground that sort of groundwork in February. So in some ways, all our, our sales execs have been talking to buyers in the way that they would normally. Of course, they haven't been able to do sales trips and we haven't had MIP and we haven't had Series Mania and we haven't had all those events. But I think people are people are adapting. We're doing lots of Zoom meetings like this, lots of video calls, lots of calls. People are very open to doing that, very open. We've been doing pitches over over Zoom. And in some ways, some of that's been easier because you haven't got to find that time where you can schedule a business trip and you've got to get everybody in the same place at the same time to make it worthwhile. You can just set up a Zoom meeting whenever you like. Um, and people have been very flexible about that. You know, we've done presentations, we've shown promos, we've done all of that online. So it, it's it's been working really well. I mean, I think... You know, we all look forward to when we can actually get back to actually meeting in person. But thanks to all this new technology, we've been very effective, I think. I guess particularly with some of the big, you know, English language series maybe shut down now. Are you seeing an increase in demand for sort of local language content that was probably quite buoyant already, but is now maybe getting a surge? Yeah, I think it's a sort of mixed picture, really, to be honest. I think... As some of those, you know, the, the big English language police procedural series, which are incredibly popular around the world, as a lot of those have been delayed, we are finding that people are looking at those kind of crime thrillers from other countries, and especially in countries where they just dub. To be honest, it doesn't necessarily really matter what language it's produced in because they're going to dub it into French or in English or into uh, German or Spanish. Obviously, for a while, the dubbing studios were shut down. So that was an issue. But those are starting to open up again. So we are we are seeing that there are people that are looking, for example, GR5. I'm definitely noticing that there's there's a lot of interest in that been doing really well in the ratings it's up against some really stiff competition with the mole and married at first sight and it's been doing exceptionally well so there's a lot of interest in that around the world something like backstrom which was a co-production with germany and fits those police procedural slots really well um, we've got a lot of interest in that so there there is definitely increase in demand and i think as the year goes on that will increase because you know as you know to begin with a lot of people's schedules was taken up with like news programming and covid documentaries but i think people are beginning to get a bit bored with that now and they want to see some other dramas and so we're definitely seeing an increase obviously the the channels that we deal with a lot of some of them are commercial broadcasters and so since advertising has taken a hit you know we are seeing that some of them are reassessing their acquisitions budgets and having to have a look at their whole sort of expenditure but you know generally as you acquiring programs is so much more cost effective than producing so i think for the rest of this year and certainly into next year we probably will see see a real increase and in terms of genres i'm not necessarily you know you might think that people might want to see some sort of comedy or uplifting shows or something that 
is sort of more cheerful than than murder but i'm not seeing any kind of change in the demand for thrillers and police crime dramas and that seems to carry on whatever people seem to be able to sort of transport themselves to a different world to a sort of whodunit that they don't think oh this is all murder and and grisly we don't want to watch it i mean and just in terms of i guess your own slate and and how you think about the projects you're you're looking at i mean how has you know non-english language drama kind of grown and particularly now is that something you're thinking of more i think there's always going to be a demand for those high quality scandinavian crime thrillers it's really interesting to see how the flemish gr5 does because that's a slightly new language aspect for people but it's really well produced and beautifully shot you know on the route down from on the GR5 hiking route and you know we've been saying at the moment that's a sort of quite a bit of escapism it sort of takes you to those beautiful mountains and beautiful places in the Alps where you can't none of us can get to at the moment and um, you know one of our other big shows was Thin Ice and that you know that's got a sort of an environmental it's an environmental thriller and that's got that climate change environmental issue right at the heart of it and although in the last sort of few weeks I think it's it's kind of been overtaken by that issue has been overtaken by the whole coronavirus starting to see lots more reports on the news now about the difference these few weeks have made to the environment and the sort of the quality of air and the lack of pollution and so I think again people are really interested in the environment climate change this is a great thriller from Yellowbird so we're we're pushing that one very hard internationally. What do you see you know, happening next over the next few months into, I guess, the end of the year, start of next year. I mean, what's that crystal ball telling you about, you know, where the business might be over that time? Um, I'm feeling quite positive about actually for the for the rest of the year from from our point of view, just because we have got some very strong shows now and some really strong shows delivering at the end of the year that are not really affected or they have been affected but they have found a way to to continue through this crisis and I think for the autumn and into the early part of next year we're going to have again four or five as I mentioned before four or five really strong um, returning shows so I'm feeling really positive about Banerjee this year about how you know our slate and uh, and obviously it'll be nice when we can all get together again and actually you know take our buyers out for lunch and have a nice sociable uh, sociable time but meanwhile I think business is carrying on and we're we're working kind of very effectively from home and using everything that technology can can afford us to to keep the contact with the buyers. Do you foresee any challenges that you're facing at the moment or that might come about whether it's getting shows back into production and, and having to deal with sort of distancing measures or yeah, on, I mean, on the selling side? Yeah I mean in terms of the production it is going to be challenging because you know how do you how do you have that many people in in very close proximity so yes of course it, it is incredibly challenging but I think producers are so they're so creative and so inventive that they find ways of delivering shows and um, we actually are regularly getting all our producers together from our network across the world to sort of share experiences and countries that are coming out of the lockdown sooner, you know, like New Zealand, sharing their experience and their learnings with, with other countries. So from that point of view, being a big global network has been incredibly valuable. Caroline Torrance from Banerjee Rights. 
The coronavirus has had an undeniable impact on media and entertainment, and Ampere Analysis has now put a figure to the financial blow it expects COVID-19 to deliver to the sector. The UK-based analytics firm revealed last month the pandemic could cost the industry $160 billion over the next five years. Ampere Research Director Guy Bisson told Inigo Alexander some would be worse affected than others, with advertising however expected to rebound quickly and SVOD being a beneficiary, but warned an overall recovery could take three years. We simply looked at the forecast that we've made for the global market, for the global entertainment and advertising market, before the COVID crisis hit and compared them to the adjusted forecast that we've made with the knowledge of what is happening out there with the crisis and its impact on global entertainment. And what it basically showed was effectively a loss of growth. So this is growth that we had previously forecast for the entertainment and advertising sector, how much of that had been lost as a result of the COVID crisis. And what it showed was that $160 billion of value had been wiped off the entertainment and advertising space over the five-year forecast period that we look at. So that is value that would have been there that we now think will not be there as a direct result of the crisis. Which sector did you find is going to be hit the hardest in the long term? So there are two two ways to look at that. One is um, the, the gross revenue loss or the gross loss of growth. Um, and, and the other is the proportional impact. So on a gross revenue basis, simply because they're very big and valuable markets, the advertising industry across television and online will be hardest hit. But if we look at a proportional basis and we, we look at the theatrical window, for example, that's a, a much, much smaller market value on a global basis and proportionally will be hit quite hard. So 11% of value wiped out of the theatrical business over the coming five years. Whereas TV advertising, we're thinking about a a minus 6% impact and online about a minus 5%. Now, if you look at revenue, then the ad market takes a bigger hit because 5 or 6% of that much bigger market is a bigger part of revenue. But proportionally, theatrical is, is pretty much the hardest hit. And you mentioned advertising there as well, also taking quite a financial blow because of COVID. So what what do you think that blow entails? Well, we've got lots of knowledge from past economic downturns um, that show us how the ad market behaves in these sort of situations. And and the, the positive, if there is a positive for advertising, is it is very, very responsive to economic change. Now, when there's a downturn as now or a crisis, that means that it dips quite quickly. But the flip side of that is that it recovers quite quickly as well. It's a tough time for everyone involved, but do you think that there are any um, winners, so to say, or any sectors that will be better off than others? Yes, absolutely. And and an important point here, it's difficult to split out all of the organic growth that would have happened anyway. Um, But one of the sectors that seems to be benefiting and we think will benefit longer term is the streaming market. So we've all read the reports about the huge upswing in consumption of Netflix and other services under lockdown. And of course, they've got a captive audience who are home at times of day when they would otherwise have been at work and that has impacted the volumes that they're watching 
the amount that they're binge viewing. And even though Netflix themselves recognise that there'd be a bit of a backlash when we're all allowed back out again, and people might turn away from streaming viewing and other forms of TV viewing for a little while, I think that that will have a longer term impact in terms of its benefit to those services. The reason for that is that it, it's effectively accelerating a trend that was happening anyway. So one of the key trends, again, that we're all aware of in the industry is that linear viewing is generally in decline and scheduled linear viewing and streaming viewing is generally on a strong upward swing. The impact of COVID has been to accentuate some of those trends, and I think some of that accentuated trend will remain in the market. And one of the other trends within the industry in the pre-COVID world uh, was the phenomenon of cord cutting, people just you know, getting rid of pay TV and cable suppliers and just relying solely on VOD suppliers. What impact do you think the pandemic is going to have on cord cutting as a movement, so to say? Do you think it's going to be bolstered by the pandemic? Yeah, so pay TV, traditional pay TV outside of streaming is, is one of the really interesting sectors. Again, we can look back in history to previous downturns and, and get some guidance from that. So we would generally expect that pay TV doesn't take an immediate hit. But what happens is there's a slowdown in a year or two's time or a year to 18 months, partly because there uh, many people are in long term contracts. The difference here, and it's unique to this situation, is that sport has been has taken a, a, an immediate and significant hit. Sport has been halted pretty much around the world and is only now beginning to resume. Secondly, a lot of those pay TV companies have transitioned a portion of their customer base to streaming style, no contract platforms. And for that reason, they've taken an immediate hit on sport customers, some of whom are able to churn straight away off zero contract commitments on some of those sporting streaming tiers. And that has impacted pay TV operators much more rapidly than we would otherwise have expected back in the, in the old, old times a few years ago. What it also means is that the customers who are being disproportionately hit, i.e. those taking sport, are the most valuable customers for those platforms. So they're taking a, a double hit because of that uh, loss of sports. And it really shows how intricately and intimately inter interconnected the entertainment value chain is and how stopping a, a football match can have an impact on what gets spent on drama a few years down the line. What do you expect will happen to some of the short-term changes that um, that the pandemic has brought about? We mentioned earlier the growth in SVOD viewing, um, but what do you think is likely to happen to those short-term changes once you know worldwide lockdowns finally come to an end and whatever form of normality returns? So I think that's an important point. We're not talking about a fundamental shift that will continue post-COVID. I think we're talking about marginal growth as a result or marginal acceleration of trends that were otherwise underway. So we're not saying, for example, the future of commercial television is now dead because streaming has picked up so much during the lockdown. I think what we're, we're talking about is a slight acceleration of the move away from linear and a slight acceleration of the consumption and switch to streaming that will continue forward. But it is a marginal 
continuation rather than a complete sea change. So, so we're seeing uh, small uplifts and small down downlifts depending on the sector that will be the continuation post-crisis. How do you foresee the path towards recovery to look like? Is it a long winding road that will take the industry a while to get back to or do you think it'll, you know, small steps but eventually allow the industry to recover in a short period of time? Well, here's where there's quite a few unknowns. And obviously, it's our job to try and cool that out and, 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 and make a prediction. I think the, the, the complication here is that there's a, there's a double whammy, basically. There's the, there's the effect of lockdown and social distancing, which has impacted the value chain and the, the, the sort of business-to-business supply chain, for example, not being able to produce scripted content, not being able to do international production. And then there's the post-crisis fallout, which will be a largely economic fallout. And it really depends how well the government measures, not just in the UK, but internationally, towards things like job retention, allow economic bounce back. Um, My feeling is that we'll be coming out of the lockdown and, and direct effects of the virus towards the end of the year, that there'll be a ongoing impact on content supply because of the lockdown, therefore, into Q1, Q2 next year, and then that will start to correct itself. At a similar point, the theatrical business will start to correct as the backlog of releases gets worked through. But the economic fallout might then impact sectors like pay TV, for example, and again, come back to hit advertising supported media. So I think the fallout from this, depending on the sector, is going to run till certainly mid-year next year. And for some sectors that are more reliant or more responsive to the economic outlook, uh, that's going to continue beyond that for another year to 18 months. So we're probably looking at a three-year cycle here to begin to get back to normality. Guy Bisson from Ampere Analysis. LA-based GRB Studios produces and distributes reality and documentary shows, including Intervention and Untold Stories of the ER. CEO Gary Arbenz spoke with Karolina Kaminska about returning to production, an uptick in the renewal rate of shows that have already aired, plus demand for positive programming. There's been a tremendous impact uh, um, on the business in general, and specific to GRB Studios, it has made us have to relook at how we're handling every show moving forward. And it's, and it's certainly slowing us down. There's many more um, things that we have to take into consideration. And um, it's put some things on hold and it's put many things up in the air. So um, the impact has been, you know, far, uh, you know, sweeping across uh, all of our development efforts, our production efforts. And uh, we're a distributor as well, so it, uh, we deal with uh, you know in many international clients, um, and so it's it, there's just no place in uh, around the earth that has not been affected by this, and uh, and so it has affected our business. And so, how are you adapting to the situation when it comes to production of shows? It would, I think, be completely irresponsible to consider anything but looking, you know, paying close attention to the CDC guidelines and uh, looking at every specific uh, uh, aspect of production, starting from, you know, from our production uh, offices, our corporate headquarters. We've been shut down now for, I guess, 
three months and uh, everybody's working from home. I'm happy to uh, report that we haven't had to lay off anybody due to uh, um, to this situation. And we're gearing up for a couple different productions and we have to look at them. And some of them are ones that we've done for many years. So we know how to do the show, but now we have to do it in a different uh, um, manner to, to maintain the safety protocols that are necessary. It's, it's quite a big laundry list uh, of um, criteria that we have to uh, address and are concerned with. It's starting with testing. You know, we do shows that are on location, you know, so you have to deal with the state and the local governments and what their guidelines are. You have to test, you know, the subjects that you're going to be filming and you have to test your crew and you have to do it multiple times. At this stage, you know, for a show that we'll probably be shooting, I can't mention it because it hasn't really been announced by the networks yet, you know, but uh, um, we were very happy to have them greenlight the show. And I think it was only the second show that they've greenlit under this current situation that we're in. But they were so impressed by the guidelines that we put forth that they, you know, deemed it safe. And so, you know, we where in the past we would shoot in rooms in people's houses and things like that. Now we have to look, okay, can we shoot it outside? There's also steps that we have to take to, as I mentioned before, use surveillance cameras and, and use cameras on sticks so that we can start a camera and then not have to stay there to hold the camera. So, And we're sending crews, you know, driving as opposed to flying. The U.S. is pretty big, and so there's a, you know, so some things are like not practical, you know, and I wouldn't feel comfortable flying right now myself. And I certainly wouldn't want to ask anybody to do something that I wouldn't personally do. So we're, you know, people are figuring out how to uh, um, make those decisions for themselves and uh, uh, and how to maintain their safety in the meantime. And do you think that production companies that primarily focus on on unscripted programming? have a slightly easier ride perhaps than scripted production companies as they have more flexibility for the people involved in their shows to self-shoot from home and so on. I've heard of other companies that have figured out safe ways to do it. As you're talking about, you know, um, filming themselves, using more body cameras, surveillance cameras, and things like that. Uh, um, but you lose some of the expertise that you've gained through years, uh, producing yourself, controlling the shooting yourself, uh, and giving the audience that uh, um, that up close look at the you know what's going on you know and the drama that's going on because uh, many of the shows that uh, are done are and the networks are not interested in having COVID versions of the show because. When they buy a show, they want it to air for years. The whole COVID situation is not one that probably people want to be reminded of if we, you know, if we get through this and uh, it's been so devastating as it is. So um, it's just about creating good content and figuring ways to deliver good content that looks good, you know, and if you're self-shooting, you're, you're expecting your, you know, your cast and things like that to do it. It's certainly not going to have the same look. From a distribution perspective, are you seeing increased demand for your shows at the moment from buyers who are in need of more content? Um, yes, and that's been a, a little bit of, um, you know, interesting how it seems to play out. Everybody talks about, well, everybody's clamoring for more shows from the network standpoint, buying more shows. And what I think what we've noticed the most is that um, 
we're getting a lot of reorders on shows that they already have bought in the past and they, you know, and they're coming up for renewal. So the renewal rate is much higher, you know, and maybe it's because they already know it and they, it's worked for them in the past and that's why they want to renew it. But there is a lot of interest in uh, um, new programming. I just can't say to you that, oh my goodness, you know, it's gone up 30% in the last three months or whatever. I feel very fortunate that we just recently, within the last couple of months, signed up a very large comedy library. It's called Comedy Dynamics, and they have, uh, I think it's uh, 500 hours of programming of a lot of stand-up comedy and, and some scripted shows and things. And this is a perfect time to be selling light fare, you know, comedic uh, programming to get people's minds off the serious uh, issues of today. What impact has the cancellation of events like MIP TV had for, for you? It's disappointing because even though, you know, GRB has been a distributor for 35 years, so I enjoyed so much going to MIP and MIPCOM, you know, in the late 80s and throughout the 90s and, and then building a whole team, you know, to, uh, to take um, the programming that we produced ourselves and we're able to hang on to the distribution rights as well as uh, acquiring rights to shows. I think we have almost 5,000 hours now programming and it, it's disappointing because at a market you have a chance to meet so many of the um, people that you only talk with or you know or, or send uh, you know correspondence with through emails and texts and things and so to sit down with them and to to you know just kind of renew what is happening in their market you know what are the trends for them and you know, pushing that uh, the personal relationships uh, is always very important. But it's in, in the older days, I think the markets were something that people wrote a lot of business. You know, at those markets, you know, they would show their new wares, and 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 buyers would often make commitments. I mean, there were markets that I used to leave with checks because <laughs> they would write me a deposit check they wanted to show, and they didn't want it to somebody else to get it and, and stuff. But it, you know, I think it, you know. Many, many years ago, it, it turned into it's really a 12 month you know, business and you can't, it, you can't just expect a MIP or a MIPCOM to, to generate uh, most of the business for the year. Like I said, it's disappointing because even though it's, it's, it's pretty expensive you know, to go to the south of France you know, for a week or whatever and have a bunch of people there, we did it because it, it really helped, it furthered the business. So it's a personal disappointment to, to miss uh, uh, some of the contact, uh, you know, relationships and that, the, that there are. And, uh, and it just makes it a little bit harder to conduct business. Finally, what long term do you expect um, to see um, on the industry from the coronavirus pandemic? I think there's been an um, uptick in people wanting positive type of programming and uh, um, ones that are inspiring. And, and we have a couple shows, you know, we're developing one called Fear and Hope right now. And it's, uh, um, uh, and it's looking at, you know, through the ages, you know, how has, in the Bible, how did we deal with plagues and pandemics and, and things like that? And what did those things give birth to, you know, such as the Renaissance after the Black Plague and things. And there actually can be some positive things that come out of these horrific situations that happen so i think that was uh, um that's interesting to see that there is uh, a little bit of a you know an evolution toward you know some more positive because so often you know in the unscripted or the reality thing it's it's about uh high drama and people have um teed up so many 
personalities and, and put them into a, a house to uh, help those, uh, um, those situations boil over and, and create great drama and television. And I don't think that the, those are a thing of the past at all. But I think uh, people are looking at how to, to do bigger, you know, and uh, broader and, and more positive type of programming that can help people um, escape some of the, you know, the horrific news that they're having to deal with on a daily basis. Gary Arbenz from GRB Studios. That's all for this episode. Remember, if you'd like to share your story of coping with COVID-19 with the international TV industry, email us using the address press at c21media.net. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>